Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 297. Today is August 20th, 2019. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today, again, I want to take a break from the markets. I don't think anything new is happening over there. So I want to touch on a topic that I've received a lot of questions on, particularly when I went back and asked people what topics they wanted to cover as the Wealthsteading podcast goes into its sixth year. We're now celebrating our sixth year of podcasting. A lot of you came back with suggestions, and those are some of the things I want to tick off. Today in particular, I want to talk about your success and how that relates to your passion. A lot of people talk about following your passion. Some people say that's a great idea, while a lot of other people think it's a horrible idea. And that ranges from people like billionaire investor Mark Cuban. He thinks it's a bad idea to follow your passion, as does blue-collar worker Mike Rowe. So where do I weigh in on it? Well, I'm going to talk to you about it from my own personal experience. We'll get to that in just a minute. I only want to comment on the market to say this. Today, the S&P 500 closed down, but it was up yesterday. This is just a typical volatility yo-yoing of the market. Nothing to get excited over. Right now, despite all the bad news you hear and all the gloom and doom, the S&P 500 is about 4% off an all-time record high. Over the previous two sessions, it was less than 3% from an all-time record high. And this is at the same time that you hear chicken littles out there screaming that it's a recession and an end of the world and the market's melting down. I just don't see it that way. But as you heard me say over the past couple weeks, for now, I'm also not investing new money in this market. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got plenty of money in the market. I'm fully committed to both United States and emerging and international markets right now. I have well over, I don't know, 97% or more of my money invested in the market. Right now, when I'm talking about buying the dip, I'm looking at just putting in incremental new money. And for now, the volatility has not gotten deep enough for me to want to commit more money to this market. Now, that may change, but as I've been saying for a couple weeks now, I'm waiting for the S&P 500 to get down around its 200-day moving average. That's maybe a little bit above, maybe it bounces off of it, maybe it breaches it and falls below the 200-day moving average. Whatever it is, I'm, it's not like brain surgery here where we have to be super surgical. But my entry point at this point, given current market conditions, is around the 200-day moving average. So to translate that into numbers, I think a good entry point right now in the S&P 500 would be somewhere around the 2700s. If you can get in at 2700, that would be a great low price. If you can get in at 2799, I think that's also a good fair price. That's what I'm personally looking for. And like I say, that's at this point, it's subject to change. We never know what kind of tweet we're going to get from the White House or whatever other minutia may come up, which drives the market either irrationally up or depressingly down. For now, though, the reason I want to hold to that 200-day moving average buy point is that historically, we're in the most turbulent months of the year. Generally, August, September, October are the most volatile months you'll see in the stock market, and that's both up or down. If you look through history, you'll see that a lot of times in August, the market falls apart. But like I say, the volatility can also be to the upside as well during this time of the year, because if you remember, it was just last mid-September that the market rallied to hit an all-time record high. And so far for August, we have seen a couple dips, but none of them have been attractive enough for me to want to buy in. Well, I keep putting the qualifier in there that that could change because I can't predict the future. I don't know how the markets are going to move or shift, but when they do, I will adapt with them. 
And so if you want to keep abreast of what I'm doing in the most timely fashion, subscribe to the blog notifications over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com. You won't get spammed. You won't get needless emails. You can scroll through six years of archived blogs that I've put out and see what kind of information I put out. If that's interesting to you, subscribe for free. You can unsubscribe at any time at the bottom of every email that I send out from there. You can click the unsubscribe button and you'll be taken off the list. It's that simple. It's that easy. Okay, enough of that. Let's go on to today's topic. And this is really about success. And what I want to drill down in terms of success is should you follow your passion? Well, I'm going to give you an alternative because I don't think the world is all binary. It's not this or that, yes or no. There's a lot of gray and there's a lot of variation in the world. And so I don't think it's a matter of you should either yes, follow your passion or no, you should never follow your passion. I want to propose a different route for you to take. And I'm going to say rather than following your passion or pursuing your passion, what I would encourage you to do is to develop your passion. Yeah, think about that and think about how that opens up all new avenues of opportunity for you. By developing your passion, you're not locking yourself simply into the things that you currently like, but you're opening up the door to many, many other possibilities. I would say an infinite number of possibilities. And in a lot of cases, things that you've never even considered or never even thought of. And as you age and mature and gain wisdom, and then also as market conditions change, or as technology changes, the options that you have to pursue different talents that you have will also change and expand. And so if you just lock yourself into one paradigm and just following one thing that you think is gonna make you happy, well, you may be ruling out a whole world of possibilities that could not only make you happy, but could make you wealthy. So no, I would not encourage you to follow your passion. I would encourage you to develop your passion. And before we even get into that, I want to go back to the three things that earn you an income. You've heard me talk about these in previous episodes. I'll be talking about them in future episodes because the bottom line on earning an income or developing a career or you know pursuing something that you want to get paid for, there really are only three things that matter. And these are universal. Number one is the activity that you're engaged in, whether it's producing a product or creating a service, it has to be marketable. There has to be a market where people want to exchange their hard-earned dollars for the product or the service that you're providing. So number one, from a career, from a business, from an employment, or from starting a business perspective, you have to choose something that's marketable. Number two is the learning curve. If the product or service that you're providing has no barriers to entry, where anybody can spend 30 seconds learning how to do it, well, then the learning curve isn't sufficient enough to protect the amount of time and effort you want to put into this to earn money from it because anybody can jump in and do it. So when you're pursuing a skill to make a living out of it, it should be something that has some type of barriers to entry to it based on the amount of time that it takes to learn how to do it or the amount of capital that you have to invest to get the enterprise up and running. And then the last thing, which is just as important from an economic standpoint as the previous two, but it's even more important from a matter of your personal happiness. And this is how well are you suited to producing this product or service? You know, look at your skill level. Do you have a unique inane ability where you can be better at this than just about anybody else, or at least better than average? Because if you're looking at pursuing something that 
maybe you love and maybe there's a market for, if it's something that you can't perform at that's better than average, well, you're just gonna be mediocre. You're never gonna really succeed in that field. So keep that in mind. Those are the first three things that you always wanna look at anytime you're pursuing a career or a job or some kind of business opportunity. Now, as far as your passion, again, a lot of people say don't follow your passion. Some people say, oh, you have to follow your passion. It isn't about whether you should follow or pursue your passion, but it is about doing something that brings you joy and happiness. That's why I talk about developing your passion as opposed to following it. What you wanna do is you wanna make sure that you're headed in a direction where you like and enjoy what you do. I mean, sure, you can get into a career that you absolutely hate and make a lot of money and be successful at it, but are you gonna be happy? And if you're not happy, well, are you then truly successful? And a lot of happiness comes back to doing what you're good at. You heard me say that before. I think the best way to fall in love with something is to be good at a certain task. Think about it just from a simple analogy of left-handed, right-handedness. I'm right-handed. Now, I could go out and play a sport, say like baseball, with my left hand. I could bat left-handed. I could pitch left-handed. I could catch left-handed. And even if I could learn how to do that, since I'm right-handed, I would never be as proficient using my left hand as I would my right hand. And even if I became really good at it, unless I was truly ambidextrous, then I would always be my best performing with my right hand and not my left. And so why go into a career that would restrict you to do left-handed things if you're really a right-handed person? Okay, and so to put that in perspective, what I mean is, you know, what are your talents? What are your personality traits? Are you introverted or are you extroverted? Do you like dealing with people or do you like dealing with animals? Would you rather deal with data or would you rather work with your hands with physical items? See, these are things that are unique to you. Nobody else can tell you what you like. Your DNA, your creator made you in such a way that you're different from everyone else. And so just because someone else may like something or just because something else may be a good career path for another person, it wouldn't necessarily be for you because you don't have that talent, you don't have that personality type. So when I talk about following your passion or at least moving in the direction of your passion, I'm talking about starting with the things that you like. Start with the things that you know, start with the things that feel comfortable to you. Start with your handedness. Are you left-handed or right-handed? Are you introverted or extroverted? Do you like to read books or do you like to work with your hands? There's no right or wrong answers here. It's all about the way you're wired and what you like and don't like. So I think the best way to develop your passion is to start right away with the things that you like and the things that you know that you're talented at. And I'm gonna stop right there because a lot of people say, well, I like a lot of things, but I don't know what I'm talented at. I don't know what I'm better at than anyone else. Or they'll say, I don't have any talents. Listen, everybody has a talent. You may not know what yours is, but you have a talent and if you really look for it, you're gonna see that in some area, you're better than average. What kind of task can you accomplish where just naturally, you're better than at least 50% of the people? And I would really encourage you to focus on the things that you're good at and then sort of ignore or at least try and minimize the things that you're bad at. And a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to correct what they're not good at. I think you should try and you know minimize what you're bad at, but don't worry about it. Focus on what you're good at. And just use a sports analogy. Pick any sports figure you can think of. I'll just say Tiger Woods because he comes to mind. He's a great golfer. I don't know how well he can 
shoot a basketball, or hit a hockey puck. Maybe he's lousy at those activities, but it doesn't matter. He gets paid tens or maybe hundreds of millions of dollars for hitting a golf ball. So he needs to focus on his strength of golf and not worry about, say, his public speaking skills or how well he can cook, right? These are things that don't matter. Focus on your strengths, minimize your weaknesses. As to me personally, I give an example in my book, The Robots Are Coming, where I talk about the fact that I have no sense of direction. Now listen, I can find my way around in the woods if I have a map. If I have a map and a compass, I'm very competent. Or if I'm in the interstate and I have a map, I know how to read that and I know how to get where I'm going. What I'm not good at is physical features on the ground. I have a blind spot when it comes to observing the physical things around me. And it's not just my directions. You know, I'm the kind of guy that I could come home and my wife could redecorate the house and I probably wouldn't notice. I'm just blind to certain physical things around me. To some degree, that weakness in my physical observations probably makes me a good stock trader because my mind's eye is more attuned to looking for patterns and traits in stock charts and in the general economy than it is in looking at things in the physical world. And I think that's the magic of our creator. He made us have weaknesses in some areas so that we could have strength in others. And so again, back to the example I use in my book, I talk about the fact that I have a horrible sense of direction. I can drive to the same place a hundred times and still get lost because I don't pay attention to the physical things around me. You would notice the landmark or the gas station on the corner or some other landmark where I would just drive by it obliviously because I'm probably thinking about trading stocks in my head and I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me. That's a really disadvantage when you're driving and trying to get somewhere, particularly back before there was something called GPS or before it was affordable. So when I think back to my early days of being a salesman and I started out in the United States where I had a multi-state route, so I would have to either drive to or, or fly to an airport and get a rental car and drive to go visit my clients, my customers, and I was okay on the main interstates, but it was that last mile, you know, making that last turn off the interstate and figuring out how to get to my customer's location. I had to have really written detailed instructions and I spent a lot of time with a map trying to figure that out because I just intuitively couldn't remember it in my head. But you know what? I didn't really dwell on that. I had come from the military and I knew that the military had GPS and I knew that with the advancements that were being made in electronics and telecommunications and satellites, that someday GPS would be cheap and everybody would be able to afford it. So rather than dedicating a lot of time to improving my weakness of having no sense of direction, what I decided to focus on was improving my sales skills and being a better salesman. Because if I was a better salesman and knew more about my product line and my competitors and what my clients and customers wanted, then I could sell more products and I could make more money. And in the short term, I'd have to spend a lot of time with detailed directions about how to get to someone's location. But in the long run, I'd be able to buy a little GPS box or nowadays just have a cell phone that I can plug in an address and it tells me how to get there. I don't need to worry about that weakness. That weakness is overcome with technology. Okay, so back to your passion. Well, like I mentioned in those three critical things to any career that you want to pursue, one of them is marketability. So now you have to mesh what you like, what your passion is, what your talent is. You have to mesh that up with something in the marketplace that'll make money off of that product or service. Just having the talent isn't good enough. It has to be marketable. 
And this is an area where a lot of people get tripped up because they focus on just the black and white of it. And you shouldn't do that. You should look broadly. And this is where I get back into you should be developing your passion, not following it. Because there may not be a direct path for the passion that you have or the ability that makes you better than everybody else. You know, that's why you hear about a lot of starving artists. You don't want to be a starving artist. And I use artists broadly, talking about your talent, your ability, and your passion. You're an artist in that particular area. And that's the area that you want to develop. How can your talents and abilities and your passions be implemented in some kind of a work environment where you can get paid for it and get paid to get better at it? That's really the key. And I'll tell you an analogy that I've used before, and this has to do with golfing. I know a lot of guys that I've met over my corporate career that were great golfers and their dream was to be like a golf pro or to be on the golfing circuit as a professional. Well, they were really good golfers, but they weren't that good. Or if they could get a job as, say, a golf pro, well, they didn't pay enough money. But their passion and their love was for golf. Well, you know what? A lot of people in the corporate world like golf and they use golf as a marketing tool and a way to build relationships with customers. So these guys that loved golf, they put those golfing skills together with salesmanship and they got jobs as salesmen where their primary job was as a salesman, but really what they were good at was taking their customers golfing and building those relationships on the golf course. Now, a lot of these guys were really mediocre salesmen, but they were so good at golfing and so good at working with their customers and developing that rapport with them while they were golfing that they ended up being highly paid and had very successful careers as salesmen, even though they weren't that good at selling because they were good at golf. So take that and apply that to what you do. You know, maybe you're an artist and yet you can't make a living, you know, painting sceneries or artistic things, but you got a skill and an ability to be able to draw. And what you're really doing with your drawing is conveying ideas. So think of all the areas where your ability to draw would make you better at communicating an idea or a concept than someone that can't draw. You know, what if you're a real estate agent and you're showing a client a house that you want to sell them and they just don't get the possibilities? Well, you can sketch out your ideas of, about how they could redecorate the kitchen or maybe what it would look like with that garden in the backyard, right? You're using your artistic skills to make you a better real estate agent. It's as simple and as hard as that. Find your talents and abilities and the things that you're passionate about and try and package them in such a way that they make you better in the marketplace. And the magic of the way this all comes together is that once you put yourself in the trajectory where you're using your talents and your abilities and your passion as part of your day-to-day -day career, then your career gets more and more focused, not broadly on what everybody else is doing, but it comes back and it hinges on those unique abilities and talents that you've magnified. And like a rolling snowball, as that snowball keeps rolling and rolling, it gets bigger and bigger and gains more and more momentum. And you'll be on the path, not only a very successful and profitable career, but also a very healthy and a very happy lifestyle. Well, hey, those are not only my thoughts, but that's my real life experience. I'm always curious to hear what's working for you and the successes that you're having. So let me know. And hey, as always, do come back for future episodes of the Wellstanding Podcast. Until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.